It's football time on this episode of the Lockdown Aggies podcast. You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Aggies podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for making Locked On Aggies your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. I am your host, Joey Ikes, and it is my great pleasure to welcome a friend of mine who works with me at aggieswire.usatoday.com covering the Aggies, and that is my good friend Cameron Honesty. Cameron, thanks for joining the show. Yeah, good to be here, man. Glad to talk about pretty much the impending season, camp starting. It's going to be fun, man. Absolutely. So it is Wednesday, August the 3rd, and we are excited because football practice starts in earnest for Texas A&M today. So we're going to take a little bit of a journey through a quick camp preview. And I, I know for me, the whole season, the whole camp, it all starts with the quarterback position, right? So oh, yeah. talk to me a little bit about where you stand on the quarterback situation, who your favorite is to come out of camp, who you think might come out of camp, all those sorts of things as the starting quarterback in the battle between Max Johnson, Haynes King, and maybe a little bit of Connor Wigman thrown in there too. (laughs) So yeah, it's going to be interesting to say the least. And I think that's going to be the most widely discussed anything Texas A&M related. I'm talking just right out of the gate starting tomorrow. I mean, it's been happening but it's going to start ramping up tomorrow throughout the weekend. And a lot of, a lot of it is, is predicated on Max Johnson and Haynes King. And like you said, Connor Wigman's in the mix. And that's the thing is Connor Wigman's very young. And so when you're, when you're dealing with a five-star freshman talent like that, that, you know, in practice, he's going to make the throws. He's going to have, you know, show why he was rated the way he was. But in areas like pressures and pocket presence and some of the things that are going to take a couple of years to, to, you know, get along with and learn, that's why a lot of it is going to be geared towards watching Max and Haynes kind of fight it out and see if Haynes coming back from that injury plague season last year in the second season didn't really get a chance to show what he can do at all. And he kind of got, I mean, it's pretty unfair in a way. I was kind of think of that, that he's coming in against Someone like Max Johnson, transferred from LSU, has about a season and a half under his belt. I think he threw for 27 touchdowns last year. He has a great resume, and he played for an LSU team last year that on the O-line was not very good, and he he was tough as nails, and he he showed that against A&M in the the November game. And, I mean, all of us had to watch him kind of just strike it down the field and taking, I don't know how many sacks from Michael Clemens in that game, but – he shows toughness. He shows <laughs> he shows ability, and and that's the thing. It's, I personally, right now, we'll be writing about this. We'll be talking about this for a while until pretty much the end of August, in my opinion. But it's really going to be looking at what does Max do differently than Haynes? What does Haynes do differently than Max? And which player gives Jimbo Fisher and the Aggies the best chance to win? Yeah, absolutely. And and I've talked about this a little bit here and a little bit on Aggies Wire is that it's going to come down probably to what Jimbo's looking for. He's going to get two different flavors of quarterback, I think, whenever he's dealing with Haynes and with Max. And 
you know, Max is, like you said, the veteran guy with all the experience. And what we saw from Haynes last year was the high highs and the mistakes that come with a young quarterback playing. Um, And so what we what we will find out is either a Haynes was able to learn from that experience Mm -hmm. and will take that away and be a better decision maker and things like that from having the opportunity to play a little bit and then back off and watch again. And then, you know, he was the guy getting a lot of the reps and getting ready to start getting ready to go into the bowl game before that situation took place. So he was able to get some more work in the off season, get work in the spring. Uh, So we'll see how much he was able to take away from that experience that he had last year and bring to 2022, because that's really, it's the question that, answers whether A&M will fulfill their expectations or whether they will fall short is whether they can get consistent high level quarterback play. So we know, we know about the quarterback battle. What other position battles are there from your perspective that are going to take place? It'll be interesting to watch play out over the course of camp. Yeah. So really I'm looking at the D line and I'm looking at who is going to replace that pass rush because we, we all know the Marvin Leal is gone. Tyree Johnson is gone. (laughs) <laughs> Michael Clemens is gone, <laughs> which yeah. I'm a little, I'm still a little sad about that. I, I, you know, it's kind of, it was kind of one of those things where I thought, oh man, if we had one more year, yeah. Michael, we're, we're looking at 15 sacks. We're looking at Vaughn Miller type of, <laughs> Huge I don't know. <laughs> it's, but it's, uh, it's just one of those things where, you know, guys like Donnell Harris, who a lot of people have maybe not forgotten about him, but they just haven't seen a lot of him. Well, he's he's slated to go to outside linebackers, what I've heard through the grapevine, and that's kind of the way that I think DJ Durkin could use him in the pass rush. And that's a guy who was, I think, the, one of the number one players in Florida coming out of, I believe, the 2020 class. And just with injuries last year and just not being able to kind of crack the rotation with those senior guys, that's a that's a position I'm, I'm looking at. Uh, defensive end and edge rusher, Vadil Diggs at edge, and then uh, – Tamishi Adelier. Tamisha Adelier. Mm-hmm. I've heard great things. I think we saw a little bit from the spring game. This is uh, this is a destined next great Aggie pass rusher, in my opinion, playing at the defensive end spot. Uh, a proven run stopper in high school has shown that. And then the three-tech, I would say the three-tech defensive tackle position in between, I think Shamar Turner is going to take a lot of that. Uh, taught a lot of those reps, and I think he's going to be one of the leaders. But really, the the position battle that I'm, and I think you're probably with me on that, is at nose tackle with McKinley Jackson and Walter Nolan. Who Walter Nolan's the number one player in the class. I've heard that this is a kid who deserves a lot of snaps right out of the gate. He's an instant impact type of player. McKinley Jackson is a proven guy. Now, can can you move Nolan around? Maybe. But I think his I think his position is a nose tackle, and I think that's going to be interesting because I think Jackson has an NFL career. He'd like to play as much as possible, but you've got to play all these guys on the defensive line, and I could throw in even Shamar Stewart into there, who is a freakish athlete, who is somebody like we were just talking about with with quarterbacks, and I think you mentioned that in the last pod about you know guys need to play, uh, you know, because especially these really talented guys, because you just don't you don't want the the fear to come in of them potentially leaving the next season. So I, there's just so many players on that D line that we, I think starting starters matter. Yes, but there's a lot of players who are going to take a lot of snaps and play those key backup roles as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think the defensive line is going to be extremely interesting to watch. Um, 
and a big part of that is, like you said, just the pure volume of players that there are in that group and, uh, and the capabilities that they each bring to the table, the, the massive influx of talent that, that came in and, and they were lucky in that most of them were able to come in in the spring and get through some spring ball. And those guys, Walker Nolan, you know, Shamar Stewart, those guys came in and those guys are ready to play and contribute at the SEC level right away. These aren't the guys who come in and, oh, well, they'll get, you know, a couple of a couple of snaps here and there. Those guys are ready to be impact players in conference play right away. And so that influx of talent combined with what AM has consistently had on the defensive side of the ball for a while now is going to be very interesting to watch. Before we get into expectations and things like that for the season, it's time to talk about Bet Online. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, the NFL, the NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and yes, even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information for live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. Bet Online, where the game starts. Okay, Cameron. Let's talk about the 2022 season and let's talk about what your expectations are. It's the big question. It goes back to, you know, oh, yeah. what we talked about in the first segment with the quarterback position. It's going to drive so much of this. What are your expectations? for the season for the Aggies. Okay. So, I mean, there's, I think there's two sets of expectations. There's the Aggie, the diehard Aggie fan in me and you (laughs) that go into every season. And we just were like, Oh man, undefeated 12 wins, you know, cultural playoff. Finally, Jimbo's got this team. And look, I, I'm going to be honest, like there's the writer in me and we have to, you know, we have to be, factual we have to we have to go by what we believe what we believe what we you know not we have to take our fandom out of it a lot of the time which is fine but look i'm gonna merge the two and say i am super confident in this group i'm super confident in the depth at every position group and even quarterback because i'll start with quarterback in that way with the expectation question we got to go back to last year when we just there were there were basically three guys on the roster, two of them inexperienced, and then a walk on was the third string quarterback. And we came into that season knowing everything else on that on that squad was was ready to compete, and they were they were built in every area possible. And you know during some of those games, and especially the ones in October, minus obviously the the miraculous Alabama win quarterback play hindered the team hindered the outcome and so when i look at that that group specifically from a depth perspective that's what makes me feel good and i i would say right now i've looked at the schedule 100 times i've analyzed it in my head we'll be analyzing it at aggie's wire a lot (laughs) so get prepared for that but look i i'm looking at 10 to 11 wins, uh, low bar would be nine. And that, and even nine wins with this schedule, in my personal opinion, is successful. I, I think that's a successful season with, I mean, look, it's a gauntlet in the SEC every year. And it's just, it's just it kind of, it's kind of how it rolls this year. And I think a lot of 
people may be looking at 2023 as the season that Texas A&M is really going to push forward and and finally make the Final Four. But look, anything can happen this year, and everybody should be very confident to start the season. And just be realistic, but be very confident because this group is going to roll out a lot of special players, and you're going to get a lot of special performances from each position group. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, when we think back, you know, to the to the the good days of 2012, right? When when AM joins the SEC, right? And yeah. and Johnny Manziel roll Johnny Manziel rolls into campus. And yeah. it very quickly, all the expectations and the hey, maybe it's gonna take a little time to see any success yep. in the SEC. You know, maybe we need to, you know, hold back our expectations, be ready for the fact that this is a gauntlet. This competition is the best conference in, in college football. And Johnny Manziel rolls in and blows all that out the window. Yeah. And uh, and there is there's always the possibility, especially when you have so much unknown at the quarterback position with, you know, two of the three guys have very little to no college football experience. Um there's always that end of the range of possibilities, just like there is the range of possibilities that the, luckily for AM, they've they've shrunk that that low end a little bit because worst case scenario is probably that you wind up at some point, whether he starts the season or not, you wind up with Max Johnson as your quarterback game in and game out. Sure. And we know what that floor looks like, and we know that's pretty good. That's competitive in the SEC and with the rest of this roster, they should be able to compete and, you know, win eight or nine games, even, even if that's the floor, but the ceiling side of the expectation for the year, that range of expectations, we don't really know what, what that end is. And I mean, we do because there's only so far it can go, right. It's, it's yeah. the college football playoff, you know, yes. holding up, holding trophies at the end of the year. We know that that's out there. How, how likely that is um, remains to be seen, but it's important for AM fans to remember that they have a pretty solid floor at the quarterback position and they have what could be massive upside. And that's going to really drive whether this team is a, an eight or nine win team or an 11 or 10, 11, 12 win team that contends for a national championship. And I think you're right, depending on how the quarterback play works out, it could very easily be a nine and, and a nine and four type season after the bowl yep. game and be a successful season um, and and roll into 2023 with the high, the higher expectations of, you know, this 2022 class now has a year under their belt. This 2023 class that we'll talk about here in a little bit um, is in and, and now a part of the team. And now is when we're really ready to, to be a contender uh, in the SEC and, and at the college football playoff level. Yeah, so now we've sort of covered what we think success looks like uh, for for 2022, which is which is awesome. So outside of the defensive linemen that we talked about a little bit earlier in the position battle uh, conversation, are there specific players or developments that you're looking forward to, you know, outside of the quarterback, of course, uh, that you're looking forward to watching take place over 2022 and what that might tell us about the future of AM football as well as the the current state. Yeah. So I think a lot of the and I think the kind of I would guess the kind of the sexy position group that a lot of a lot of fans are looking at is the wide receivers. And I think that's that's been a position when we did 
uh, when I was doing a lot of the position groups early and I was kind of keying in on the offense, uh, the wide receiver group is, is stacked and you can kind of, I guess people would categorize that by experience or just skill set or kind of a combination of both. But when you finally have, I would say two players on your roster in freshmen, Evan Stewart and Chris Marshall, who are legit deep threats. And again, that, you know, you can connect the quarterback to that who has the best, who can throw best deep, who's who's that pure deep thrower. But either way, in space, deep, it doesn't matter. These are freakish athletes who can play, I believe really Evan Stewart can play the X, he can play the Z, hell, he can play slot, and Chris Marshall can play really the X of the Z, and he can play them very well. And he's not a, he's just not a straight line burner. He's a guy who, in the open field, can make some noise. And these are two players that I believe are going to play a lot of snaps to start the season, and they're going to be two guys that end up developing very, very well once we get into the October slate. Now, the other player um, that I'm very, very high on in the linebacking corps is Edgerton Cooper. And so this is this is Cooper's time to finally shine and be the go-to guy paired with Andre White uh, Jr. at the linebacker position. And again, this is in the four-two-five defense, you've only got two linebackers in the middle, and you've got a lot of help, and you've got guys like Antonio Johnson, who I don't think we even need to mention how good Antonio Johnson is, because yep. I mean he's you know he's the pinnacle of Texas A&M right now in terms of just everything they represent, but. When you have those two guys and and um, and Edgerton Cooper is going to have to clean up a lot on either side. He's going to have to use that ranginess and sideline to sideline ability. Um, this is that's somebody who I'll be looking at a lot, and I think he's going to be one of the more important defenders in terms of how that defense covers the intermediate uh, portion of the field uh, week week to week. Absolutely, you know, so much of the of the game of football, you know, at this point, especially at the college level, is about manipulating those second level defenders, those linebackers and down safeties and the ability for for those guys for AM for DJ Durkin's scheme to um, to be able to sort out all that stuff, deal with the motion, deal with the formations and stuff that they'll see, uh, will say a lot about what this AM defense is able to accomplish. And I think you've got it nailed on the wide receivers also. Um, they there's so much excitement around this group because for the first time in quite a while, like you said, they have guys that can test the defense down the field. They've had guys before, you know, they can make plays underneath, make a guy or two miss and, and maybe create a big play that way. But that's been a huge struggle for AM for years is how do you create plays down the field? How do you make big explosive gains in the passing game? Um, with your wide receivers without having to cre create it using scheme with, with screens and things like that. And, and that's what these two young freshmen bring. Uh, and that's a really exciting, an exciting idea for AM fans. All right. Now let's talk a little bit about recruiting. Recruiting never stops. We just came off of the pool party weekend. Um, we had a conversation with John Garcia from sports illustrated earlier this week. Um, so, Tell me about the 2023 class. Which commitment so far are you most excited about in terms of what they can bring to College Station? So, I mean, I think the the uh, <laughs> recruit we're both going to would probably both name is Anthony Hill. I mean, this is this is a guy who could be again that generational player. I kind of hate that term, but it's there are <laughs> there are 
so few and far between, but I believe he's one of them. I've watched that kid's tape over and over. And honestly, I look, we're both Dallas Cowboy diehards. Micah Parsons comes to mind. I'm sorry. I, I hate doing that, <laughs> but Micah Parsons definitely comes to mind watching him. The down, he's a downhill explosive individual. I mean, this is somebody who you need, you need blitz. You need a blitz package to set up. You need pressures. You send Anthony Hill down the middle. He's going to, no guard can, can guard him. I, I think I saw him squatting 455 the other day. I mean, this is a strong individual. It's a fast individual. And this is a guy who, when he gets to college station is going to learn under DJ Durkin and DJ Durkin is going to use him like they used Deion Sanders back then in the NFL. I mean, this is a kid who has potential. I mean, the potential is the highest I've seen in a defensive player in a long time. And that, I mean, I was giddy. I was giddy like a little boy when they got him. <laughs> I mean, it was it was exciting. And this is a player who could who can really change the program defensively. And so, I mean, um, I, he's he's my favorite, definitely. Uh, but I think everybody that's gotten in this class so far are players that fit A and M scheme. They fit what they want to do. They're versatile players. And so, but, but yeah, I would I would definitely say Anthony Hill, by far my favorite. Probably my favorite. beyond anybody compared to anybody else they get in this class. And that's no offense. This class is going to be great at the end. But But he's, he's one of the top couple of defensive prospects in the entire class of 2023. Like, and you know, there's, there's always the little bit of added, um, added juice whenever it's a, it's a head to head with Texas and, you know, down to the final two. And there's a lot of confidence from coming from Austin about where they stand. And then for him to drop that commitment, on the pool party weekend before they before the event even starts like it just shows you like that none of this timing is is on accident none of this stuff is is um is coincidence like he he dropped it right then on purpose so that he could go into the pool party and be a part of the recruiting process uh for the guys who could be his teammates and his classmates um Another guy that committed this weekend is probably my answer. It's a little different than Anthony Hill. Anthony Hill's the obvious one, like you said. Yeah, uh, true. Dalton Brooks is fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Shiner, Texas, little small little town. Like this is like the this is legacy. This is old school Texas A and M recruiting, right? Is <laughs> to like go into small town Texas and pull like a four star player who in this tiny little town is going to do everything for his team. I think he had like. Yeah. 1,320 total yards <laughs> and 14 nuts. touchdowns on offense. And then yeah. like 55 tackles, a sack and two interceptions or something like that okay. as a junior for his football team. Uh, and so Dalton Brooks is really interesting to me. He's officially listed as an athlete by most of the recruiting <laughs> services. AM's going to play him at safety, I believe, and he'll be yeah. phenomenal there on the back end for AM. But he's just, you know, it's just that old school, like that's the exact kind of recruit that AM should dominate that recruiting process. Oh, yeah. Just for you know, just like it just feels right for AM to yeah. to take take advantage of that situation and bring bring one of those guys to college station and give them a give them a name, especially now with the the national brand that AM carries. It, it's pretty awesome to see that to see that um that that kid get the opportunity to now have a national name made for himself and play on, you know, he's gonna play on CBS and ESPN and it's gonna be great. Um oh, yeah. so uh, and, and here comes the big question, right? Is We've seen three really, really just the only word you can use to describe them is elite prospects in the 2023 class 
yep. roll through College Station somewhat <laughs> surprisingly um, over the oh, course yeah. of the last you know month and a half. And that's, you know, Zachariah Brandt show, showed up on his only official visit <laughs> that he has taken to anywhere besides USC earlier in the summer. Yeah. And then uh, then Malachi Nelson, his quarterback buddy, who's also committed to USC, decides to show up. And Tony Mitchell, the, the defensive back from Alabama, who is committed to Alabama, decides to skip Alabama's <laughs> big recruiting event and show up in College Station as well. So tell me, Cameron, do you think A&M flips one or two or all three of these guys? <laughs> <laughs> okay, my heart says three. My heart says just all three yeah. by December. But honestly, um, Zachary Branch, he's he's fascinating because I you just don't see that a lot. And I think his answer was kind of fun. I kind of loved his answer. He's like, I just want to check it out. You know, this is just check it out. Just check out College Station, what they have to offer. And that that's a, that's probably a semi-honest answer. That's great. I mean, like, I, I get the recruiting trips. I know I had friends in high school been on them, and they said, oh, these are fun, you know. These are, yeah. It's just it's just a fun weekend to check out what they have to offer. I'm like that's that's great, but you know that he's one of the recruits that I'm like I don't know if it's going to be very easy. His brother, I believe, I believe his name is Zion Branch, uh, is a safety. I think he plays for USC, yeah. so that there's they got the connection there. So I'm a that that worries me a little bit, but I'm very confident. The Ma- Malachi Nelson was fascinating. That dropped. Yeah. I think it was a Thursday night. I guarantee I messaged you and was like. Malcolm Nelson's coming to A&M. I was like, yeah, yeah. It's like thir- I'm like, going to work the next day. I'm, I'm like this close to going to bed. I'm like, dude, what? Like, <laughs> why don't you drop this now? I should drop in the yeah. morning. But yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's it, it, it's very interesting. I think I think yeah, you guys talked about it on the pod with with Gar- uh, John Garcia about just the whole situation going on with USC right now and Caleb Williams and. And, you know, really that being the Oklahoma connection is the reason that Caleb went to USC to play for Lincoln Riley. And, you know, Nelson was was committed there before that even happened, obviously. So that, there's a wrench thrown into that. Uh, and it's going to be very interesting. To, and I don't know if we're going to get a lot to come out of how great the weekend was for him. I'm sure we'll get some some like, you know, some crumbs in that area of, oh, yeah, it was a great visit. But we we really won't know, I think, until December with him. I think it's going to take yeah. a take a while till we hear anything. It's going to come down to signing day. But hey, Jimbo Fisher magic. I still believe yeah. in it, especially with recruiting. <laughs> so yep. anything could happen. But um, but yeah, it, it, and then I think the yeah Tony Mitchell. He, I saw him on Twitter. You know, basically do the thing that a lot of those recruits say is that I'm locked in. I'm locked in. Don't worry. Yeah, well, we'll see. Because <laughs> yeah. you, you don't you don't do what you did if you're completely yeah. locked in, in my humble right. opinion. Uh, I love that kid. I'd love to have him, um, but we'll just have to see. But really, I give Nelson the best chance right now because you know I'm being optimistic as heck. But <laughs> at the same time, with the situation with USC and everything else and the quarterback situation there, we'll we'll just have to see. Yeah, for sure. And these are. This is a marathon situation with yeah. these three guys specifically. Because, um, you know, Tony Mitchell's an Alabama kid who's committed to Alabama. <laughs> Malachi Nelson's a Southern California kid con- committed to Southern Cal. Like, these guys are not flipping in August or September yeah. to then have to spend their entire senior year of high school, what they have left of it, because they're probably yeah. – most of these guys are probably graduating early, early, trying to get to campus in the spring. 
Yeah. Um, these these guys are not flipping now to have to answer <laughs> these questions for the next four months and deal with it yeah. their entire senior football season. Uh, even if they've already made up their mind that they're going to flip, um, or even if they're open to the idea and this just continued recruiting efforts and, and, and things like that. And John Garcia called it elite quality recruiting is what mm-hmm. AM does at this point. And the, the system yeah. that they have in place to do it um, is at the highest levels in the country. You don't get the results that they've gotten without that. And, and so if they're able to, you know, just continue the drip over on these guys for the next few months, but when the middle of December rolls around, there's a, a, a much greater than 0% chance that one or more of these guys winds up sending a fax to College Station and not to yeah. Los Angeles or to Tuscaloosa. Right. So, Cameron, thanks so much for joining me today. We're going to make yeah, this no. a regular thing. We're going to do Wire Wednesdays for a while. We're going to carry it through the college football season. It's going to be great. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Joey Ikes. Cameron, let us know where we can find you on social, all that sort of so, stuff. You can find me at Cameron Honesty, C-A-M-E-R-O-N, no space, O-H-N-Y-S-T-Y. Awesome. Then so you can read at Aggie's Wire, same with Joey. Absolutely. You can find both of us at aggieswire.usatoday.com. Follow the show at Locked on Aggies. Subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. Give us a five-star review. Um, and then make sure you check out YouTube Locked on Aggies on the YouTube channel as well. Like, comment, share, subscribe. Hit the little notification bell so you know whenever we post a new podcast. And make sure now that you've made Locked on Aggies your first listen of the day, Get more on the SEC by making Locked On SEC your second listen. Every day, host Chris Gordy and the local experts of Locked On take you across the SEC in 30 minutes or less. Make Locked On SEC your second listen. That's Locked On SEC.